0: Hello and welcome to the Self Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com and I'm here to talk about all things self-sufficiency, all things homesteading and about how we can reduce the gap between our consumption and our production. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 390 of the Self Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. Today, we are talking about homestead money saving tips ways that you can save money in your homestead, on your homestead, through homesteading. All of the different ways we can save money. We are all facing Our own versions of a cost of living crisis. We're seeing inflation go through the roof. We're seeing all sorts of price hikes in our regular day to day household items. And if ever there was a time for us to want to rein in our spending, this is it. So we're going to go through lots and lots and lots of different ways that we can save money through homesteading or save money on the homesteading that we're already doing. Now, Some of these things will be things that I've spoken about before, some of these things won't, some of these things will be things that warrant their own episode and may even have had them in the past or will in the future and some of them are just small little things that perhaps didn't come to mind until I was making this list but I do have quite a list to go through with you all today and it goes across the board from the Just how we treat the food that we're already growing to the methods we choose when we grow it to what types of animals we might consider to keep and how we're going to keep them all sorts of different things we can do in and around the home it goes on and on and on so forgive me if some of this is old hat to some of you but hopefully you'll find it on the whole really useful so The first thing I want to talk about is just waste reduction. Now, this is obviously something that we hit on fairly frequently in some areas, particularly around the kitchen and food waste. But there are lots of ways we can think about waste reduction, and they're going to reduce the waste but also reduce our costs because generally speaking when we're wasting something that's something we've spent money on and if we didn't waste it then we wouldn't have to go and re-spend that money on the next thing so by reducing our waste it can have a massive impact on our bottom line so Make sure, first of all, that you're growing the right amount of stuff. You know, don't go growing lots of things that you're not going to be able to use unless you can preserve it and make sure that you can and do preserve your harvest because if you're growing lots and lots of tomatoes and lots of them are just going bad on your kitchen counter and ending up in the bin and then you go and pick another load you've got lovely fresh tomatoes to eat as many as you like but you've also got quite a lot of wastage there and by preserving them you're going to have that produce available when you otherwise wouldn't so preserving your harvest making sure that you're both a able to preserve and comfortable and confident in the different ways that you can preserve and make sure that you are preserving it and b making sure that you're not growing too much of anything so that you can't preserve it or so that it does go to waste so there's two sides to this coin we have to manage what we do as well we don't want to be overproducing because that's a waste as well but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't grow for gluts I absolutely do encourage you all to grow for gluts but I encourage you with equal veracity to make sure that you're preserving those gluts when they come the next thing is to use offcuts and the bits of plants that you're not going to be using in the in the kitchen for things like animal feed and if not animal feed at the very least the compost bin don't allow any of these things to go to waste. So I quite often talk about carrot tops. Carrot tops are edible and they do have a place in salads and the like, but we're not going to be growing enough carrots or rather we're not going to be eating enough carrot tops to go with all of the carrots that we want to eat. There's a reason we grow them for their roots. So come up with ideas that you can use the carrot tops for whether it's for feeding your animals or for feeding your uh your your compost bins or whatever it might be but just make sure that they're not going to waste and that nothing ends up going in the actual trash because that is the biggest form of waste that we have and even once we've got it into the kitchen and we've prepared to cook with it we might have some more scraps there in the form of peelings and after we've eaten maybe there's some leftovers make sure all of these kitchen scraps end up going back into your systems so that we're not wasting that energy those valuable calories that they want to be going into an animal preferably and failing that into the compost so that 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 energy that's stored within those plants ultimately doesn't get wasted it's about reducing that waste and stopping food waste in the kitchen is going to have the biggest impact on our food shopping bill more than anything else I can think of by only buying things that get eaten and by making a point to eat the things that you cook is a huge part of keeping our costs down when it comes to providing food for our family now I know that I personally, I take on the role of chief leftover czar in our house and I will kind of organize the family and say look it would be really helpful in the next two days if we all focused on eating up x or y from the fridge and i take it upon myself to make sure that i'm eating it if they're not and i really it sometimes means that i'm not having the nicest meal in the evening because i'm trying to just get through all of the leftovers in the fridge but uh, that in itself is quite rewarding to me knowing that we are not wasting any of that food And when it comes to waste and talking about the kitchen and feeding things to your garden animals, it goes the other way, too. And you can think about old egg laying birds that perhaps are no longer productive. They can still have a place in the kitchen. They can be used really, really slow cooked in. Well, we would cook them in our slow cooker with a good covering of water or stock or some other liquid and we'd cook them for 12 or even longer hours and once you've done that that's going to make absolutely great pulled chicken you're going to be able to make chicken stews and pies and burritos and all of those things with the meat from those old laying birds so it doesn't have to be that even the dead birds or the dying birds or the birds that you know that have seen their useful life come to an end that even that doesn't have to be a waste we can make use of that resource and by slow cooking and stewing the chicken in that way we're going to make what would otherwise be a really tough old bird As they say, we're going to make it quite palatable and tender. So make sure that you're doing that. And by using the slow cooker as well, we're also thinking about reducing energy consumption. Using a slow cooker or an air fryer can both be good ways to reduce the amount of energy you're needing to cook things because they're generally speaking more efficient than using a large oven. So we've definitely switched over to using now we have one, an air fryer. We also use our slow cooker quite a lot and also the kettle and the microwave these can all be more efficient than using your stovetop or your oven so it's worth bearing that in mind when you're planning how you're going to cook now, talking about livestock and end of life for our laying hens, you might want to think about only keeping livestock that is adding value to your property, to your homestead, whether that's through the production of eggs, whether it's through the production of other things or meat or dairy or just through manure production by keeping our homestead fairly lean insofar as only supporting animals that are paying their own way that could make a significant difference to difference to our running costs when we think about each thing each part of our system if they're all paying for themselves then of course there is no outlay if the number of eggs that you're getting from your eggs from your chickens rather is more than the cost of their feed then you're on to a winner and you can think about your other animals in the same way if you so choose The next thing to think about when we're talking about livestock is feed efficient types of livestock. Some animals are more feed efficient than others. So one example I can think of is geese. If you had a large lawn or a bit of a paddock, then running geese on that area is almost free. They're going to eat almost entirely just the grass and forage that they can find out and about. And to a similar but not quite the same degree, you can find ducks that will operate under a similar system. And chickens, if they're free ranging over a wide enough area, they're going to keep their feed bill very, very low indeed. And on the other side of that coin is you've got chickens kept in coops, which don't have access to all that forage. They're going to have a much higher cost Of feeding them. But it also comes down to your personal position and what you have available to you. As you will know, if you've been listening for a little while, we used to collect loads and loads of fruit and vegetables from a fruit and veg shop that was just deemed unable to be sold to humans. There was absolutely nothing wrong with it. And we raised generation after generation of pigs on a combination of that, plus kitchen scraps, plus. Spent corn from a brewery not corn sorry but spent grains from a brewery plus leftovers from a bakery and we collected all of these things several times a week and that would feed our pigs along with the forage that they had so based on your personal position what you've got available to you you can sort of map out what is the animals that are most feed efficient for you if you've got lots and lots of hedging where you are perhaps you are a gardener and you do lots of hedge cutting for other people then you might want to think that goats maybe are a more feed efficient animal for you because you've got constant access to that forage that they're going to want it's going to very much depend on your own personal position and when we're talking about feed efficient livestock we also need to think about feed efficient methods feed efficient systems I am a huge advocate for something called treedle feeders these are Feeders that we have for our hens and the hens stand on a platform and that lifts a little trapdoor which avails the food to them and it means that they can get to the feed and if a rat or a mouse or whatever stands on that platform it's not heavy enough they can't get to the food so you don't have that waste. We are also, in these same systems, you will see there's little bars that run along or inside the little food trough. So there's a food trough that runs left to right and then from top to bottom all the way along are little bars. And what this stops is the chicken's habit of sort of searching through the food. We've all seen it. If you put a pot of feed down for your hens, the first thing they'll do is they'll put their beak in there and they'll sort of scatter it around by moving their heads from left to right and scatter all of the feed over the floor. These little bars, stop that or almost stop it they do they do a really good job so there's far less feed being wasted going on the floor where it's going to both feed and encourage vermin so both feed efficient livestock whether that's an actual animal or whether it's a breed of animal but then also feed efficient methods are really really worth thinking about and instilling in your practices Next up, let's get back to growing plants, and you're going to want to think about saving seeds. If you're in the northern hemisphere, then we are at the end of summer now. We're in September, and September is about the time that, for me at least, it feels like we're definitely... Tipping into autumn, you know, it feels that way. It is meteorologically autumn, I think. September's the first month of autumn, but it definitely just feels that way as well. And during the autumn is when we look towards saving seeds. So this year we've grown lots of broccoli and I've specifically left one of my plants to run to seed we've specifically left it for that so that we can save the seeds now i am not an expert seed saver i still have a lot to learn but i am learning and i'm starting that journey and expanding on it all the time so this will be my first year saving broccoli seeds i need to do a little bit of research on it and learn about cross-pollination and things like that because it can vary from plant to plant but we can all be saving seeds so, by saving seeds, you're of course saving yourself that cost of buying seeds the following year. And if you aren't buying seeds, if you're currently buying seedlings, then maybe just think about buying seeds and growing from seed rather than growing from plant starts or seedlings, whatever you want to call them. There's lots that can be done around the idea of saving money when it comes to just simply. Coming back a step, like I always talk about when I talk about producing food, and I always say about moving back up the chain just one step. And when I'm talking about food, what I mean is rather than buying a microwave meal, just cook that meal from scratch. And then if you're already cooking from scratch, then go back one more step and think, Well, how what part of this can I actually grow or produce myself? And if you're already doing that, then go back a further step and think, Well, maybe I can start making my own. Own cheeses and sauces and things like that, and, and getting right back to the raw ingredients until before you know it, like me, you're experimenting with extracting salt from seawater. But I say all this to say that we can do the same thing when it comes to growing plants. If we're currently buying seedlings, then we can go back a step and start growing from seeds. If we're already growing from seeds, we can go back a step and stop buying seeds and start saving seeds. And every time we go back a step, we get closer to closing. Those circles, closing those loops of energy and motion within our systems. And it means that all the time we are reducing the costs because we're having to buy in less and less. There's less and less start points. Every time there's a start point, in one of your systems, usually that means a cost, whether it's time or actual cash depends on the system. But a start point could be when you go and buy seeds. If you take that start point away by using a cycle rather than a system with a start point and an end, then there is no point at which you have to go to the shop and purchase the initial thing to start that system moving you're using the seeds from the plants that you've already grown so the the more circles you can close the more you will find yourself being cost effective and cost efficient as well while we're outside let's also just talk about pallets if you see pallets available for free Now, you can see them all the time. I see them all the time anyway at Builders Merchants and Builders. Sometimes you'll see little ads that they put online, maybe on Facebook or somewhere else saying, we've got loads of pallets, please, please come and get them try and have a handful of pallets on hand at all times. Now, obviously, this is going to depend on your environment, how much space you've got, whether you can give a little bit of space over to having a few pallets. But if you can, I strongly urge you to have some set aside because it's basically like a free supply of lumber. You've got that wood there, which you can turn into all sorts of things from... Kitchen projects to crafts that you might be able to give away as gifts, or make a new spice rack or a smoker. And you've also got it to make compost bins with and things like that. So having a few pallets on hand can be really, really super useful. So when you see them available, don't be shy. Go and pick them up. And if you've got any way at all of storing them, then do so. Keep a two or three spare at all times. You never know when you need a few pieces of wood. They can be super, super handy. And, of course, one of the things you're going to make with them, as I've said, are compost bins. No list of homesteading tricks to save money would be complete without talking about compost composting is huge If you're not composting, then you've got to come up with another way to replenish the nutrients that you're taking out of your soil every year. If you're growing your own food, then what's happening is you're sowing a seed, and that seed is going to take nutrients out of the soil and turn it into vegetables, turn it into fruit, turn it into leaves and plants that we can harvest and eat or feed to our animals. And those nutrients, once they're gone, they're gone, and it's our job to replenish them. There's lots of ways we can do that. We know that growing legumes can fix nitrogen in the soil, for example, but There's a lot of other nutrients outside of nitrogen and just growing beans every year or two isn't going to quite do the trick. We're going to need to add organic matter to our soil. If we want to replenish those nutrients year on year, we absolutely have to add that organic matter and that's where it comes from unless you're going to buy chemical fertilizers either way you're going to need to spend some money to bring those in unless you're composting yourself and creating enough compost to meet those needs and feed your soil remember it's about feeding your soil not feeding your plants when you pour even shop-bought fertilizers when you pour them into the ground you're not feeding your plants you're feeding the soil and the plants then get that nutrients from the soil so it's really really important to bear that in mind and the best way of doing it is composting it's another way of closing those circles like we spoke about before because you're also taking waste products from the vegetables you've already grown waste products from your kitchen and you're decomposing them and using them to good effect and in so doing creating compost which you can then dress your soil with i have got a lot more to say on this topic i'm really quite surprised because i'm only halfway through my list so we're going to leave it there and i will pick up this episode on wednesday and we will carry on exactly where we left off thanks for listening everyone and i'll speak to you soon cheers This episode of the Self Sufficient Hub podcast was brought to you by our patrons. You guys are awesome. If you'd like to support the show, there's lots of ways you can do it. The easiest of which is just to like and review it wherever you get our podcast. You can also tell somebody about it, whether that's on social media or just face to face with a friend who you think might benefit from it. But however you support our podcast, we really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to become a patron, please consider doing so by going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, it's listeners like you that make all of this possible. Thank you ever so much for listening and I'll speak to you really soon.